How's it going? Susan Ruth here. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hey Human Podcast. This is episode 195, and I sat down with Rich Baker. He is an actor, a director, a writer. Uh, He does improvisation. He is a teacher at the Second City. Uh, He was my teacher for one of my courses at the Second City. Uh, Really interesting guy. And we talk about all sorts of things, not just improv. You may not even be into improv. Maybe you've never been to an improv show. Uh, But we cover a lot of topics, uh, emotions and well-being and thought processes and that kind of thing. So really interesting guy. I very much enjoyed this conversation. I want to take a second to say thank you to those of you who have been signing up on the mailing list. Uh, have not sent out the first mailer of the year. In fact, I haven't sent out a mailer for a little while. You'll be happy to know if you sign up on my mailing list, you definitely won't be overrun by emails <laughs> because sometimes I forget to send them at all. But I'm going to be doing it. I'm very excited because a lot of people have been signing up and that inspires me to to send something out. And I will do that. And like I said uh, last year, at the end of the year of 2019, I've got some stuff in the works that I can't wait to announce, but I'm not going to announce it yet because I want to get it more complete before, before that happens. Ooh, what could it be? <laughs> Um, anyway, I definitely lots of stuff coming. I'm very excited about uh, last couple weeks. I have been interviewing like crazy. I've talked to all sorts of people and really looking forward to those episodes coming out. Uh, lots of variety and interesting folks from all over the place. Very excited about that. So definitely tune in and go back. You know, if you're just now learning of Hey Human, I encourage you to deep dive. There's so many episodes. I know that can be overwhelming, but you can cherry pick. Just go through and whatever floats your boat, grab that one and listen to it. I have to figure out something cool for the 200th episode. If you have suggestions, you want to get them to me, email me susan at heyhumanpodcast.com. I'd love to hear what you think I should do for my 200th episode next month. So... That would be very exciting. I want to mention a book I just finished that I loved. Malcolm Gladwell's new book, Talking to Strangers. It's excellent. It's so, 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 so good. I recommend it highly. So definitely, I don't uh, I don't know if you've gotten into Malcolm Gladwell before. I've read all the books that he has written. They're all fantastic. This one is no different. In fact, this one may actually be my favorite so far. It's hard to say. They're all so good. But um, I really enjoyed it. So, Talking to Strangers. Check it out. By the way, that's not an ad. That's just me liking stuff. Okay, in other news, social media, Facebook, Instagram, Hey Human Podcast. Or if you want more personalized Susan Ruth stuff, you can find that on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram under Susan Ruthism. My website where you can find art and music and any performances, SusanRuth.com. Uh, rate and review Hey Human on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Check out the links page on heyhumanpodcast.com. I do different links stuff for every episode. I think you'll enjoy it. You can go back and see all sorts of books and movies and articles and all that sort of stuff that have to do with whichever episode is coming out that week. So that's kind of cool. Already gave you the email on how to reach me. Please do. I welcome your emails. Please, please email me and say hello. Thank you to those of you who've been taking the time to 
uh, do comments on heyhumanpodcast.com. I appreciate that too. I try to respond. Uh, so thank you for that. And yeah, thank you for listening. And here we go. Hi. Hello. Rich Baker, welcome. Thank you so hey, much for having me. Human. Hey, I'm human. You're human. We're humaning. We are humaning as best we can with what we've got for sure. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you and I met at Second City. Yep, Second City in Hollywood. Yes, you were teaching my improv class. It was improv one? No, you were teaching... Improv two? Two. Two, because Tim Stolenberg gotcha. taught one and Mark taught three. So nice. taught two. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was uh, six Fun months group. ago or so. Yeah. Time flies. Right? It's crazy. I can't believe I've been here that long already. Yeah. I don't know what happened. I can't believe it. I've been here six years now. Wow. Yeah. You just blink and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there it's, it is. It's crazy. Because if you think about it, like, it, it, it can feel like six years, but if you've got to, like, think about it in the segments that it was. But mm -hmm. if I just, like, am present right now, it feels like I was, like, I haven't been here that long. It's yeah, like, it makes you feel like you just showed up. Yeah, but I've totally been here that long. <laughs> time is a construct, man. Oh, time is a flat circle, <laughs> man. <laughs> but actually, I do believe that time is clearly not what we think it is. I don't know if anyone knows what time is. <laughs> I don't know what day it is most of the time. Well, it's, most of the time, I, 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 yeah. That's, I mean, as long as you can function, right? The days I feel like are only there as tools to help us. So if you don't need them, yeah. One less thing. I think I annoy my friends who have nine to five jobs. Sure. And I, when, you know, they say, oh, what are you doing on blah? And I'm like, oh, that's what, a few days. They're like, no, that's tomorrow. And they get mad at me. <laughs> 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 I don't have a nine to five job either, but um, uh, my dog, I share custody of her with my ex who mm -hmm. has a nine to five job. Mm -hmm. So I will pick her up in the morning, like after CJ's gone to work and then the dog will hang with me until about like five or six and I'll drop her back off. So I still, even though I don't have a nine to five job, I still have like a nine to five kind of routine yeah. that helps me remember dog things. Dog dad. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice for the dog that... Is it a boy or girl? She, Maggie. She doesn't have to... Ah, oh, that's a very dog name, Maggie. Yeah, right? I didn't know how many dogs were named that until I had a dog named Maggie, and then all of a sudden I'd be at parties and they'd talk about their dog, Maggie. I'm like, I didn't know everyone named the dog. Yeah. It wasn't me who named her, but uh, I like the name. I think it's great. I, my dog who passed away a few years ago, his name, uh, he was called Mikey. Mikey. Yeah, I like it when animals have human names. Yeah, right? Like Gary the dog or... I, I believe... George or Barry. <laughs> Barry's a good dog name. I think Maggie's name was Sasha when we adopted her. Oh. And, um... That's a boy's name, so right there oh, you've got it? problems. Yeah. Oh. And at least in Russia. Oh, oh okay. It's like, I, I've only met female Sashas. Um, but, uh, so... I, Traditionally, I should say. Ah, uh, gotcha. Historically. Oh, okay. <laughs> teach me, teach me. I know nothing. Uh, uh, but yeah, my girlfriend at the time, she, she didn't want to... She goes, she doesn't feel like a Sasha. And I was like, okay, fine. And, you know, I have all these nerdy names uh, uh, and and she was like I want to call her Maggie and I went well that's a character from the Simpsons so I'm good <laughs> there it is Lord Underfoot that is uh, my friend has a cat named Lord Underfoot Aww. and it's it's an apt name because that cat is always Underfoot. Under your foot, yeah. yeah well, well, well done, friend. Well done. Yeah. Anyway, welcome. <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs> that and, and that's it. That's all the time we have. <laughs> that's it. We did. Uh, you wrote a book. I did. Yeah. Improv made, made easier. Yeah. Improv made easier. Okay. Improv made easier. Mm -hmm. And firstly, improv. I think people think, oh, you just get up there and do it's it. One of the many misconceptions people yeah. have about improv. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's breakneck. 
<laughs> Which I love. It makes your brain go, and you, you're, you know, you're forced into listening and, yeah. and being present and all that stuff. So, what made you decide to write this book? Oh, so many things I want to say. Well, uh, to, to speak to what people's perception is, you know, if 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 you go see someone play the guitar, and you don't play the guitar, you don't think, well, anyone could do that, right? Mm -hmm. You think, oh, that's something I've never done, or, or you know, whatever. Um, but when you're improvising, you're just talking and moving around on stage and like other than the stage fright aspect i think a lot of people think oh that's all there is if i could just not be af afraid of being up there then i could be up there and it's like it's a whole skill set just like guitar or anything mm -hmm. else um i wrote the book for you know a few reasons one because in improv uh, i would get asked routinely by students like what books do you recommend what books do you recommend so not all students were that hungry for like that deep knowledge but there were enough that were that i was like okay writing an improv improv book isn't just some like thing you do for yourself right because when i create things i love doing it so i often uh fear that oh i'm just being selfish by doing this kind of like who am i to write a book you know that imposter who syndrome are you not to write a book well yeah exactly and i've been teaching uh for uh almost 14 years now and i've learned a lot I mean, I knew a lot about improv before I started teaching. That's, or else I'd been a really bad teacher. But uh, I was a very good teacher. And then I've just gone deeper and deeper and learned more and more. And because I've taught so many times, I've really narrowed down my focus of how certain things are, like, streamlined them to the best of my ability. And I was like, okay, I don't know how much longer I'm going to teach improv. Maybe the rest of my life. Maybe not. But I've... I've coalesced so much knowledge about this that I feel like it would be selfish not to at least make it accessible to other people if they wanted it. Mm -hmm. So, and and I'd never written a book. I never finished a book before. I'd started a few novels, like many creative people, uh, but never finished one. And I did it. I wrote the book. Uh, it took a long time, and it was one of the most frustrating, like hardest things I've ever done by far. But I'm really glad I did it, and I've I gotten some good feedback on some people who've read it. They said, "Oh, this is the kind of book I want to refer back to over and over," which is why I designed it that way. I was like, I want this to be the thing that if you go, oh, my improv shows aren't as good as they used to be, or I'm struggling with this thing. Oh, let me pull out that one chapter, and I'm just going to reread that and and work on that for a while and help myself get better. Let's go backwards to yep. <laughs> time as a construct. <laughs> <laughs> what brought you to LA in the first place? Are you from here? Uh, I am from Fort Worth, Texas. Born and raised. Yep. Yep. I, uh, I, I, I love Texas people. Oh, thank uh, you. There's something very solid about Texans. Thank in you. In my experience. I appreciate that. Yeah. Not you, but other No, people. no, not me. Not me. <laughs> but I, I don't fit the stereotype of a Texan in many, many, many ways. Uh, but yeah, I, I was born and raised there, lived in the same town my whole life until I was 23 when I left to go to Chicago. How did Texas shape you? You know, uh, I'm, I'm sure in a lot of ways, but uh, it's one thing I'll speak of is that when I was in Texas, I very much rebelled against the stereotypes of like, I'm, you know, I'm not like you people, you know. Uh, and then when I left Texas, there was this sense of pride when I was in Chicago amongst people from everywhere of like, yeah, I'm a Texan. Yeah, and that's okay. You know, that's a good thing. And I'm certainly not... I'm not like a lot of Texans. Like, I don't go to the rodeo. I'm vegetarian. Yeah, I'm vegan. Yeah, vegan. Um, I've ridden a horse once in my life, and it was in Nebraska when I was eight for, like, about a minute. And you had to put a quarter in. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a real horse. Why I could only be on for a minute because it scared the ever-loving oh, crap out of me. I love horses so much. I'm sure I would, you know, if if I if someone has a horse they want to introduce me to now, I'm sure I would love them. But uh, I haven't had an experience with a horse since then. But yeah, I mean, Texas shaped me in 
I'm sure many ways that, I, that I'll never know, but, you know, there's definitely still uh, a little bit of that Southern, like, uh, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, let get the door for you, that kind of thing that was bred into me, which I do appreciate, because uh, I like being that guy. I think it's a good thing. Thanks. Yeah. Speaking as a, a woman who likes to have her door opened for her, what can I say? Yeah, it's just, I mean, to me, it's just like thoughtfulness, right? It's mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. I've got the door open, you're about to use it, I can just hang out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> sure, I got right? some time. Okay, yeah, I'm not in that much of a hurry. <laughs> what made you decide to go to Chicago? Was it for... Improv. Uh, yeah, okay. Yes. So were you already doing that in Texas? Yeah, so the story, and it's, it's in the book too, but uh, in 1999, I was a senior in high school, I was just about to graduate, there was a... Uh, a girl in my class who I knew, and uh, but we weren't like best friends, but we knew each other. She was having a little birthday thing. I wasn't invited. And uh, I happened to call a friend of mine who was invited. I didn't even know it was the party. And I was just seeing what he was doing. I was just like, hey, what are you doing tonight? You want to hang out? And he's like, oh, I'm going to this birthday thing. You should come. And I went, mm, I don't go where I'm not invited. I'm like a vampire. So uh, he, then he had this great, brilliant argument. And he was like, Come on! I went, oh, I can't argue with that. So I did. Uh, and, to, and to this girl's credit, she was super cool because like, she never was like, you weren't invited. or It was never weird at all. It was very because accepting. she was a vampire. Maybe. Anyway. She was very pale. She was redhead. So. Mm -hmm. Are there redheaded vampires? Of course. Well, then, yeah, I then think she, those are the top echelon of vampire. Oh, she was a badass vampire? Nice. <laughs> the more you know. <laughs> so uh, her birthday wasn't like a party. It was like an outing. And um, we went to something called Four Day Weekend. No one in the party knew what it was. It was a show in downtown Fort Worth, so it felt very fancy. And it was in the same building as the Riata, which is a really like rich person's fancy restaurant. It's not connected with other than the same building, but the building itself is just a little bit like, oh, this feels adult, you know, and we're all like 17, 18 years old. So we went to see this show. And I'm some... putting a nickel in my penny loafer. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we went to see this show, and... Uh, and the, the show claimed that it was all improvised. And that that didn't jive with me. I didn't understand that at all. It's like, no, you can't. That's not how it works. It's like, let, let me tell you how it works. I'm 17. I know, I know everything. Uh, you have to write something down and rehearse it in order to be funny. Trust me. I know. And, uh, and you, had you done theater in high school? I'd done theater. I'd done singing. I was a huge movie and TV actor. I'd, I'd spent, I'd counted who knows how many hours watching stand-up comedy. So I was very much like a fan of the world and had done, you know, some acting and singing and stuff. I'd never done comedy in the specific sense. But I still, like, just literally couldn't believe you could make it up. So I was going to catch him in the act. They had two shows a week, Friday and Saturday. So I went back every Friday and Saturday for, like, I think eight weeks in a row. Catch him, not improv. Or, yeah, yeah, catch him. Sure. And so just to put my mind at ease and go, oh, see, they did write that joke. They're using mm -hmm. the same joke over and over, and it's not improvised, and the, my worldview is is not damaged. Okay, we can move on. Mm -hmm. But they never repeated a joke. It was all different content every time. And I was like, this son of a bitch, this is improvised. <laughs> so I went up to, uh, after the show, I, I went and found one of the, the performers, and I said, How? And he said, we got classes. So that's when I, I started. So in the, that was the spring, April 99, I think, mm -hmm. is when that happened. Mm -hmm. And you were in the Texan improv group that you were in and then, or the classes and... Well, so that group was called 40 Weekend and they didn't, they weren't hiring anyone, but they had, had a training center. And then mm -hmm. uh, after, so while I was going through that, I also co-founded Census Acts of Comedy, which was a comedy troupe at TCU, which is the university I went to after I graduated high school in the same town. Mm -hmm. And then after college, I'd done that for two and a half years, 
in uh, in Constant, but then there was some troops in Dallas that I went and I formed some and I started some, I auditioned for some. So, you know, I got a lot of play there and I was taking classes at four day and doing that and then had my own troop and then had these other troops. So I was I was starting to accumulate a lot of hours on stage at that point. Yeah, and what made you take the leap for Chicago? Well, I knew that I wanted to... So I, I went to college thinking that I wanted to be a director, a film director. And it's funny because I, I, I am still a film director, but like I, I went away from it for a long time because the improv thing spoke to me so well and I loved it so much... And I was pretty good at it. Like, for a newbie, like, I was, was decent. So I thought, okay, I'll be an actor, you know? And all these improvisers that I knew of, you know, like Steve Carell and Stephen Colbert and, and uh, you know, Tim Meadows and, and Tina Fey, all these people who'd gone through Second City. And the people who trained me, the four-day weekend guys, some of them had gone through Second City. And they actually were the ones that recommended it. I said, I want to I wanna do this this improv thing. I want to do it all the time. And he said, well, we're not hiring. But, you know, if you want to you wanna go where, where it is, go to Chicago. So I went to Chicago. Hmm. Were you nervous? Yeah, big time. I mean, it was my first time. As I said, I was born and raised in the same town. Like, the whole, my whole life. I went to college in the same town. So I traveled here and there a little bit. Not much. But, you know, Chicago, when we decided to move there, me and two of the other guys from the college troupe, before any of us had ever been... So we we flew up. What on, month? Uh, <laughs> Was it in the winter or the summer? <laughs> we Well, we flew up to look for an apartment in March on spring break. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, and it was cold, yeah. but it, it wasn't as cold as I would, you know, soon to, yeah, yeah. that was a little preview, but then we moved on June 1st. So that was totally fine. And then that first winter was a, a real wake up call, mm-hmm. but it was four Texans. Um, three of us were from the college troop and one guy we met doing uh, one of the troops in Dallas and we all moved up there together. None of us knew a soul up there. We didn't have any family up there. We didn't know anyone up there. At least you had each other. That's nice. It was great. Yeah, we had, you know, I loved it, but it was just one of those things of like a lot of people in Texas were asking us like, why are you doing that? <laughs> like you, you don't have a job up there. You don't know anyone. Up there. Why are you doing this? Because there was just like a mentality, I guess, of a lot of people I know and still do of like, why leave? Right? What's wrong with this place? Not in like a snarky way, but just in a genuinely would not occur to them to just move to another town kind of way. Yeah, I feel a lot of towns are like, especially creative towns. Yeah. When I left Nashville, I I had a lot of people say, "What do you? What? What? (laughs) Why would you go to Los Angeles? It's insane." Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It felt so right, though. Yeah. Well, yeah, and that's the thing. Uh, I knew I had to get out of Texas, or else because you can only fight the current for so long before the current just sweep, sweeps you away and I'm not you know I don't want to have kids and I don't want to be on a PTA and I don't want you know like I don't want any of that like, there's nothing wrong with that life that life's awesome for people who want it but it's just not me and everyone around me was kind of shaping their they were either joining the armed forces or they were going to college to you know or or not to get some job back in near the hometown and go to football games and do that whole thing which is great it's just i'm a wanderer like mm-hmm. i need to i need to go as 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 i'm sure you're super familiar with yes i i do know the the idea of wandering uh when you arrived did, did you go straight to second city then to start taking we class? actually uh so me and the all four of us we auditioned for second city that week that we looked for an apartment uh and two of us we all got in, but two, uh, two. The first day of class was going to be like three days before we moved there, or like a week before we moved there, something like that. To get into what conservatory? Or yeah, we okay. we all auditioned straight for the conservatory, which they were very like reticent. Like, who are these Texans trying to audition for the conservatory? Like, they were asking us question after question about what acting classes have you taken, what experience do you have, and they let us audition, and we we all got in. But uh, 
we were gonna miss one day mm-hmm. and two two of us were like fine and then me and this other guy were like never so we spent extra money you know that we, we weren't budgeting for to fly up to chicago for one day take one class fly back and then a few days later get in a big truck and drive all the way <laughs> to chicago it was crazy i totally understand it. that looking back like i'm not i don't regret or anything but i just didn't know i thought it was a huge deal that we got in i thought we had gotten into julia i thought that it was like this no one gets into the conservatory this is where the cream of the crop is and it's not that it's it's not that it's a bad program it's just that if you're good at improv you get in and we graduate at least you know 100 more people every year in each city mm-hmm. so you know it's it's not like super exclusive I'm so sad right now. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, sorry. I didn't mean to. I just thought that it was like, I have to go rewrite my Christmas letter. Yeah. I'll be right back. <laughs> no, it's a, great, it's a great thing that you got in. Like, it's it's awesome. <laughs> and it was awesome that I got in, but uh, and that all of us did. But, no, I see. What, I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. I really thought, like, well, the way this is, like, the Academy Awards, like, you have to show up. But mm-hmm. it's like, you can miss the first day. Mm-hmm. It's not that big a deal. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't tell that to any of the other people. They're going to... Right, right. Unless you're in my class. Do not miss the first day in my class. You get a lot of good stuff on the first day in my class. (laughs) You're a good teacher. Thank you so much. What I liked about your teaching style was that you you weren't a placator, which which I think a lot of people teach that way because they want to make sure everyone feels included and loved upon and all that stuff. And uh, what I liked is that you were like, mm, that wasn't very good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> or, or let's I hope do I that didn't again. phrase it quite like no, that. <laughs> but you know what I mean. But you know that you stepped I do. I in the and, and that you had, uh, you had notes during, you know, in the middle, you'd say, okay, stop. Yeah. Note, note, note. Then try again. Yeah. Which I think is important for a hands-on class like that because if you do the thing as i'm telling you as a student if you yeah. do, if you do a thing and then the teacher at the end of the thing you do says yeah. here's my note and then you say okay and then you move on and then they're on to the next person and the right. next person the next person you don't really have a chance to f- facilitate everything that's going on in your brain into the actual moment yeah so i like that you did that that you're like oh, okay you. let's stop here i'm going to give you the note and then you're going to start again thank you yeah yeah well you know for At me for me as a student i appreciate that, I work that well that way thank you so much and i, and I do hear some similar things uh, a lot which is very i i'm honored that uh, that i found a, a teaching style that can speak to a lot of people because improv you are intense that's a hundred per- i mean that's just life for me <laughs> you're zero to 60 for sure which, yeah, yeah, yeah you know i can appreciate that but Thank it you. probably freaks out some people but. uh you know and one feedback piece of feedback i get quite often is on that first day i thought you were going to be like scary or i thought you're going to be mean and then we're like oh no he's just really intense yeah. and like most of my classes i'm thankfully by the end of it we, we all have a bond together and mm-hmm. there's like this you know it's really sad to see them go and, and they're sad to see me go and, and which is lovely i that's the way it should be but yeah on that first day uh, a lot of people if you ask people's opinions about me on day one versus day seven they're they're usually quite different sure sure yeah, so the reason why I think that a lot of teachers will placate people is because improv has this big, inclusive, like, yes and, like, every every idea is great, and, um, and that's kind of where we start from, but it's not necessarily the best way to teach adults how to do, like, you want to create a, a space that's safe for people to make mistakes and not feel bad, but uh, there's just a sweet spot on the bat where if you go too far, it's too much. And I'm so, I just really appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. Uh, how did you come to teach at Second City versus taking, I imagine that's a bit of a leap. Sure. Yeah. 
I I don't remember when I graduated uh, Second City Conservatory. I think early 07, something like that. And I had already been teaching at comedy sports by then. Uh, I That's got, a more con- do explain what the difference yeah, yeah. is. So comedy sports is an improv theater that is a little more structured. It's short form improv, which means uh, you'll take a suggestion and you'll do something that's usually no more than three or four minutes. And then that'll be over, and then you'll take another suggestion and do something else. And comedy sports specifically is like two teams competing, and I'm air quoting that, which no one can see, uh, competing in improv. So there's a red team and a blue team, and there's a referee, and the referee is the host. Mm. So round one, you know, it'll be like some improv game display, improv game display, audience votes. There might be games that have points in them. There might be games with elimination, that, is that kind more of thing. like a whose line is it anyway? Very of? similar. So whose line, uh, yeah, I think whose line was heavily influenced by comedy sports a lot. Comedy sports was started in the late 70s, early 80s, and it's one of those secrets. It's been around for a while, but, you know, it's not a lot of people know about it. But, yeah, I, I'd say Whose Line is extremely influenced by that. Uh, you know, they took it in their own direction, obviously, but a lot of theaters have taken that short-form concept and put their own spin on it. It is interesting. There, when I did a drop-in at Second City, and the, the teacher that came in, apparently, according to some other people in the class, I always say the other kids in the class, yeah. uh, say that, or said that they were from um, UCB. Okay. And it was really interesting from my perspective to see, you can really see the difference. Sure, it's different uh, style. Totally different. They, that person was looking for the joke more than Absolutely. anything else. And yeah. I thought, wow, that's completely different than anybody at Second City is always like, don't go for the joke, go for the... The, the relationship, the, the emotion. Really, mm-hmm. Yeah, the connection. Um, yeah, and there's nothing wrong with it. It's, it I like to say it's it's kind of like Kung Fu and Taekwondo. You know, it's they're all fighting styles, but they have their own ways of getting you there. Mm-hmm. And you UCB has a model that uh, speaks to a lot of people. For me personally, I like the slower, patient, grounded relationship stuff as opposed to the quick jokey. I've done quick jokey. I'm happy to do it. But I like to do it if the moment presents it rather than by design, Mm -hmm. per se. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, When you you started teaching, was it Mm -hmm. weird to go from you know, student to sensei in, in the whole... Because I imagine there's a, it's just a different way of looking at things. Suddenly, sure. you're not looking at it from the perspective of inside the fishbowl. You're outside the fishbowl tapping on the glass saying, oh, the castle's over there. <laughs> yeah, it's... Well, yes, uh, it's probably good for a lot of people, but I, I feel like teaching is something that's just in my DNA. So, for example, when I, I took an I-term, which was what it was called... Uh, at the one college I went to over, I took algebra, a college algebra class in two and a half weeks, like during the Christmas break so that I could knock out a whole semester really quickly. And after day, so it was like four hours. It was like hell to me. (laughs) Yeah. uh, It was like four and a half hours a day, five hours a day, something like that. And I remember after day one, I was like, oh, I'm just going to do my homework here so that I don't think about when I go home. And that'll be fine. And I, so I just, I opened my book. The teacher left. I started doing my homework. And a bunch of students kind of came around and asked, like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, I was just doing the homework. And they're like, can you explain this? Can you explain this? And after day two, once the teacher was done, it was just kind of assumed that I was going to stay back with the whiteboard and the pen and break down algebra concepts for a bunch of people, uh, which I, I love doing. And it wasn't the only time I ever taught. At, so even when I go through classes, when I learn something new, I'm never really just a student. Because I'm looking at it from a how-to-do-it point of view, but I'm also 
watching the teacher and or or modules of learning because I'm going okay what method is this so it was I mean it was different it was fun I was very excited about when I first started to teach but it wasn't it didn't to me it felt like finally as opposed to oh this is different why do you think it is that in especially pop culture on television and stand-up and all that stuff um people throw improv under the bus so much you know you hear that offhanded joke constantly sure even from improvers, you know. So why do you think that is? Yeah, it, I wouldn't be me if I didn't just. Uh, and you, you say it how you want, and everyone else says it says it the same way. It's improvisers. Improvisers, uh, yeah. but everyone says improvers, and yeah. I, I need to let it go, but yeah. I just I can't, Susan. I just can't <laughs> no, let it go. Right. I uh, sit corrected. The reason why improv is thrown on the bus a lot, I, there's lots. One of them is, unfortunately, most improv is bad. Like most improv, if you're looking at it from the point of view of a product, of a show that people pay money to go see, it is usually, I'd say more often than not, and I've traveled, I'm talking about U.S. because I haven't done a lot of international stuff yet, but I've been in so many cities, so many different theaters, and so many improv shows just aren't that great. They want to be great. They're trying to be great. Usually, sometimes people are just lazy, but improv is very hard for uh, some people. Improv is uh, not something that a lot of people will invest their time in because they're not getting paid, right? If, if you put on on a play and you paid everyone equity wages you're probably going to get people that care who have a lot of experience who come in with tools and techniques and they're ready to learn and go right improv shows are almost always unpaid and people will sometimes even dress extremely casually like wrinkled cargo shorts and you know a sleeveless t-shirt and that's a bit of an extreme example but you see it all the time and I, I just think a lot of improvisers don't think about improv from the point of view of a paying customer. Either because they've given up on the fact, oh, improv will never be, or, um, or, or I don't know what reasons, but it's, it's not a product in many... Now, there's exceptions to that rule. I uh, Mission Improvable, if you've ever uh, seen them, we have a home show uh, Fridays and Saturdays in Santa Monica, and it's a touring troupe for colleges. The touring troupe, that's, a, that's their living. So when I was touring colleges, like if I wasn't funny, like that could jeopardize my job. So we were funny every single time, right? Comedy sports paid and their uniforms, right? Both of these shows have a look. You're not going to see people showing up in their street clothes. Mission Improbable, there's like white shirts and ties and glasses and they look like secret agents. Uh, comedy sports has jerseys and, you know, there's teams, your name's on the back of the jersey. There's, you know, it's a, it's a product. Mm. But unfortunately, a lot of improv shows are more for the benefit of either the people performing it or the students in of the craft and the crowd who are watching it and just kind of analyzing it, which there's nothing wrong with that. It's just... I think you, we have to make a distinction between is this a product or is this more like a hobby? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people treat it like a hobby. A lot of actors, especially in L.A., treat it like a tool in their tool belt. And so, but if you're going to do improv and you want to put on a great show and you want to, you know, kill the stereotype that is true unfortunately that improv is just like ah it's just improv then we got it we got to make it a product we got to do better shows we got to be more consistent we have to wow the audiences we can't just make them go oh that was interesting mm-hmm. we need them walking away like they just walked out of you know an event 
Yeah, like they just walked out of some Broadway show and they're like, oh my God, can you believe that was amazing? We got to tell our friends, we got to come back. This is fantastic. I have this book here, the Second City book, mm -hmm. and uh, it showed the photographs in it from all the different decades, and everyone is, you know, Dapper Dan. Yeah, and, Second City is a professional theater. They get paid mm -hmm. equity wages to be on those stages. Second City Hollywood doesn't have an equity stage, but Toronto has a main stage, and uh, Chicago has, I think, three stages that pay and you know and and to be fair also most of what second city does as far as those shows is sketch and the difference between sketch and improv for anyone who doesn't know they get confused often sketch is written and rehearsed like a play uh and improv is not mm -hmm. and it's rehearsed but, but it's they not. mine their sketches a lot of times from the exactly improv. so yeah. second city will t you know we teach you improv both for performance and as a tool to create sketch material mm -hmm. were you did you make up a lot of stuff when you were a kid were you one of those tons yeah notebooks full of drawings and writings and uh skits and you know a lot of toys a lot of role-playing with toys and mix and match you know he-man would would be doing something with the ninja turtles with rainbow bright with whatever you know and it was just like i never played the stories out as they were supposed to be it was always like well what fun is that and make up your own stories that's sure. the fun part rainbow bright and he-man had that illicit love affair i mean that that's the that's the adult erotica that i'm working on right now <laughs> uh, that's the the hentai, hentai <laughs> film upcoming <laughs> were your parents supportive of you wanting to go into the arts yeah um yeah not really i mean they weren't so the you, you can't really couple them because my dad was very much like, all right, whatever, you know, um, at the time he's, he's come around since and just been like, Hey, you're, you're actually doing it, you know, go forth and do it. Uh, but he really wanted me to be an engineer because he was a union machinist his whole life. And in his world, you know, the engineers were the people in the offices making better money and, and that kind of thing. So he wanted me to be an engineer and uh, and because he has kind of an engineer's mindset. And then my mom, uh, she she wanted me to either marry someone who's rich or be a lawyer or be something, you know, a safe job that had like the safety to it. Uh, marry rich, rich. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, she's still like, you know, you if there's a... You need to live in the lap of luxury. <laughs> it's like, you could fall in love with a millionaire. It's possible. And yeah, I'm like, thanks, right. Mom. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I mean, never like tried to stop me or anything. When I said I was moving to Chicago, I was 23, and they were like, cool. Uh, that's weird. I mean, they were like, that's weird and scary and whatever, but if that's what you want to do, you know, and you can make it happen, do it. Do you have siblings? Yeah, I got a half-brother and a half-sister. Are they creative? Uh, I really, me and my sister don't know each other that well, so I don't know if she's creative at all. Uh, not that I know of. My brother was a drummer, and I think he still drums, and he was a painter and huh. an artist, so he's he's done a lot of creative stuff, uh, but he never did anything creative for a living, at least not that I not that I know of. I'm the only one in the family who ever was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a living out of this creativity stuff. Yeah, I'm going to be the crazy one. <laughs> right? Yeah. Is it... Uh, L.A. is not an easy town for a lot of people. It is not an easy town. Yeah, and it's expensive. Oh, my God. And all that kind of stuff. Oh, well, this is the sad part of the interview. Yeah. <laughs> What's uh, helped you to persevere? Uh, just this undying need. <laughs> Look on your face. Is so just this undying need to, like, I... I this sounds super full of myself, and, and that's just how it's going to come out, but I really feel like I'm too talented and too filled with ideas to not make it in some way. What I am discovering lately, and what I'm kind of in, in the midst of discovery right now, is how that my creativity isn't necessarily restricted to the typical Hollywood 
streams of mm-hmm. like movies and, and TV. I'm a huge fan. I always have been of stand-up comedy, movies, TV, all the things that Hollywood makes. But um, I'm, I'm, and I'm still doing it. I'm not stopping. I'm just, I'm, I'm wondering if there are other ways that can maybe be a little bit more financially um, abling that I can use my creativity in. And that's what I'm exploring right now. Yeah, I love stand-up. Oh, yeah? I really do. I go to the, when I have time, when I have, you know, windows in my crazy schedule, I go to the, the Second City has that open mic. Yeah. And I think I've mentioned this on the show before, but what delights me, because I want to do it, Mm -hmm. but I'm scared. Sure. Like I am about everything. I'm scared until suddenly I just say, fuck it, you're scared, do it anyway. Right. Not quite there. I mean, I write the jokes out and all that stuff, but... Regardless, I go and I watch, and it's firstly they're so brave. So I just I honor that. And yeah. these people that are getting up there and just like this is it. And sometimes it's bad and sometimes it's good. But yeah. even the bad, it's still pretty good because they're up there. Right. You know. They're and, trying. And to watch, I've seen some of them over the past six months, and you see their growth and yeah. they're getting more comfortable and more grounded into themselves, and their jokes are getting funnier and. It's so beautiful to watch. It's exciting. Yeah, it's a blossoming. It really, it's lovely. Yeah. You know, and uh, I, I'm close to doing it myself, but uh, not yet. Um, ever, it's really I coach cool. stand ups. You ever, we can, oh, we can talk. We can, you can do your set for me. They, or well, whatever. they have classes there too sure. at Second City. I saw. Sure. Yeah. I actually sat in on one of the graduating classes. At, um, I wish I could remember her name, but it was a female teacher. Erin Tracy? Yes, I think yeah. so. Oh my God, the students were hilarious. Yeah, she has some good students. It was really wonderful and so inspiring. It's like, you know, as a songwriter, when I go to see other musicians. Sure. And you immediately go home and you write 12 songs. Oh, yeah. So inspired, you know. I bring a notebook anytime I watch a sketch show, stand up, any, any kind of comedy show. I always bring a notebook with me because I can't help but be inspired when I watch mm-hmm. other people do their craft. Mm-hmm. And then it just gets me going, I want to play too, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm, I'm often just like jotting down notes and stuff. Yeah, it's fun to go to go watch it. There's a there's such a freedom. It, as a as a consumer of it to mm. go and watch not just at Second City but I mean I've seen other places do improv obviously it's sure. all over the place sure there's improv and, a lot of places yeah and uh, it's interesting a thing that at least happens for me is it's a permission like yeah. watching people just throw it out there yeah. you you start to feel like you know what I'm I can throw it out there. Sure. Why not? You know, Why not? It's that, that mirroring thing that I love so much. It's one thing I love about teaching is, uh, you know, showing people how that they can participate in something that they are scared of. Mm. Uh, because, you know, most people on day one are pretty scared. And then, you know, it's it's just this through time and exercises and the right mindset and, and words, you can get someone to go, okay, this isn't as scary as I thought it was. Oh, this is actually fun. You know, and you can you can get people safe to where they can start throwing it out there. I love that term and start using that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, throw it out there, y'all. Mm-hmm. Get the y'all on there. That Southern thing. Um, when we, so you had a party, a pool party. Yep, and you, for my birthday. Yeah. And we were sitting, we were all there sitting around the table, snacking, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you said something and I told you, I gave you a little heads up that I was going to ask you this. because. Oh, yeah, you did. Yeah, I yeah because I think this is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, you made a comment sort of offhandedly to someone <laughs> yeah. about anger. Okay. And you said, you know, I used to be an angry person and, and I'm yeah. something I'm always working on. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I wanted to dig into that a little sure. bit because it's such a human trait. Yeah. 
And here we are, being all human and stuff. Hey, human. <laughs> uh, yeah, I had uh, pretty severe anger issues uh, most of my life from, like, childhood through, I'd say, like, early 30s, maybe mid-30s. Were they from something, or just you were that, that kind of kid? No. Uh, well, the thing is, is uh, people who knew me at different stages of my life would mostly be blown away to hear me say that because i think a lot of us think anger management issues and you think lashing out yelling that kind of thing um but i had you know a different combination because i would get angry but i didn't want to show it so i kept it internal um the I did some external things every once in a while, but it was always by myself and it was inanimate objects. So <laughs> when I was like 14 or something like that, I remember I punched a wall that was made out of, it wasn't wood, but it was like some, you know, that kind of like fake wood paneling thing. And I actually like put a crack in it, uh, hurt real bad. And I went, okay, I can't do this because then I'll leave evidence behind. So um, when I, uh, in high school, there was a lot of real anger years and I would punch bricks. There were several walls of the school that were bricks and I would go find a place where no one was in there and I hit them. Uh, Jesus, go to break your hand. Yeah, I busted out my knuncles several times. Um, Wait, what were you so mad about? Oh, I mean... Just being well, a hormonal the, teenager? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot of specifics, uh, but it's less about the tr the specific trigger that got me into the anger and more about the anger that just built up over time and just kept and you, you know it, it was residual you know it's like you put money in a in a, an account that's that is uh, exponential and mm -hmm. you get a lot of money if you put anger into that same account mm -hmm. all of a sudden you are just swimming with a lot of anger and Home, that's what happened homemade to me. powder kegs yeah I've, i have a very uh, since childhood i've had an extremely overactive sense of justice so i remember like seeing some disney movie i don't even know what it was it was about like a dog and there was like a litter of puppies that was and he was like adopted and different and they would like do something and then the family would blame this dog because like they framed him and i would just be like they're so angry like why did you do that right and you know i got picked on a lot and made fun of a lot and i was lonely a lot growing up there was a lot of um there were i didn't have a lot of friends for like i would say like the first seven six seven years of my life uh and the few that i did uh weren't that nourishing or there wasn't much time didn't spend much time with them so there was that, and then my dad has anger issues, uh, and especially back then when he was working, uh, they were a lot more pronounced than since he's been retired. So, you know, it was, and that rubbed off on me, and there were just lots of things. I was just angry a lot, and that's how I would deal with anything. I would just get angry at it. And so just exponentially over and over. And so I remember, you know, one time when I broke four of my knuckles, I, uh, I had auditioned for the musical. It was my junior year. And so I'd been in every musical all four years, and, uh, you know, I was kind of a point of pride to me. I was, like, looking forward to that, getting in high school. I'm going to be in the musical. You know, they did one a year. And it was Guys and Dolls. It's a musical, and if you're familiar from the cast, I was cast as Nicely Nicely Johnson. Mm -hmm. Now It's one of my favorite musicals. Yeah, it's a, it's a great so one. So good. Right? Oh, that's fun. Um, now, Nicely Nicely is not a bad character. He's got plenty of good scenes, but he's not one of the two main characters. And I, I was like, no, I'm a, you know, I'm this singer. And back then, I thought I was going to be a Broadway star. You know, that was kind of my where I aimed. So when I got the third male lead, I was just, I was like, well, this is it. I'm, I'm a bad singer. I'm not going to, I'm never going to be anything. I'm never going to go to college. I'm never going to be on Broadway. This is the worst. And I would just like, I went outside and I just wailed on these bricks and it hurt so bad, but I was so angry. I didn't know what else to do. Uh, so eventually I, I figured out how to 
not do that, thankfully. And my knuckles are, they look, they look unworn right How now. How did you get to that spot? Because I think a lot of people can, uh, can see themselves in those feelings. How did yeah. you get to the other side of it? So I didn't necessarily deal with the root of the of the problem at first but just getting out of high school and into college was very high school sucks it was <laughs> high school was very hard college was a cakewalk college was like the best four and a half years of my you know pre-30s like life by far and it was you know i was I was suddenly in a classroom where I was actually interested in the material because the teachers weren't, you know, coaches. Dicks. Yeah. yeah, and dicks yeah. and just like not good at their job. Sure. And also no I wasn't offense to all the great teachers out there. We know you're out there. And it wasn't it wasn't the only you know a lot of bad ones. I also wasn't surrounded by a group of people who half of whom uh, thought that a good day was when they beat someone up or made fun of someone or, you know, stole someone's money or you know, they, I grew up in a school that had it, it wasn't like crazy dangerous but I mean there was a lot of fear there for me I got mm. picked on a lot and there were a lot of just angry kids who were a lot angrier than I was shouldn't have gone to Attica High <laughs> <laughs> so just getting into college there was a lot less triggers so I didn't really deal with the problem there because I still didn't think I had some underlying issue and when I was in a better environment it, w it didn't go away, but it was a lot better. And then the issues resurfaced after I'd moved uh, back home from from school in between Chicago, uh, before Chicago. And there was just a lot of things. I had a lot of weird, hard breakups with uh, girls who just kind of put me through the shredder in certain ways and, and all kinds of stuff. And then my anger and then my sadness started to compete with my anger for which one's worse. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And then I started doing reflexive work on myself probably back in, I was, I was probably 34, 35, so about three or four years ago. And I really just delved into, okay, I have a lot of issues and I think that they're hurting people around me in certain ways and they're also hurting me in certain ways that uh, I can fix. So I started just read a ton of books and listen to podcasts and, and watch videos and talk with people about stuff and really pay attention with what other people were dealing with and that kind of thing and and through a lot of work and time and patience you know i don't i it never goes away it's kind of like chicken pox right it's always there but you can keep it dormant you know fewer and far between as far as outbreaks that kind of thing uh that's that's what i think of mm -hmm. yeah uh, how is the improv help facilitate get that out of there and i know that seems silly to bring it back to that no it doesn't know but i do think that performance is its own brand of therapy obviously. i think performance is a therapy for people who have to perform i also think improv has many things to offer non-performers um as aside from just like practical skills it also like there's a lot of things that you can do that can help you just internally with improv you know and the, the number one rule of improv that everyone agrees on used to be second doesn't matter yes and that's just a fun way to live life because the way i like to put it is whatever happens now the next moment when, when you're yes anding is a direct response to that moment mm -hmm. in other words you're not thinking about anything holding on to it waiting for a moment and then putting it out there you're responding moment to moment and i i think a lot of times that doesn't mean that you don't plan ahead or anything like that it just means being aware of what's happening right now how are you feeling what's going on with you what's going on with the people you're around or the environment that you're in and all that and just going what is what is my next move based on this it's really exciting to watch people that are truly in the flow of it yeah yeah it's 
there's nothing like it, really. Yeah. It's, I went to see the Shakespearean Improv. Yep, at, uh, Improv Shakespeare. They, they're <gasps> another example of a group that puts on a product. They have a show that, that they can sell. That was extraordinary. They're great. It was at uh, the, um, what do you call it? The Sursan L. Largo. Okay. At the Largo. And I laughed throughout the whole thing. It was it was beautiful to watch. Yeah, they're fantastic. So funny. I was actually in Chicago when they formed. Oh yeah. Yeah, I've seen. I saw them before they became like when they had their first run in mm -hmm. the Second City and Donnie Skybox and I'm, I haven't seen them in a while, but uh, they're all really good. It's if anyone listening, if you are able to go see that improvised Shakespeare, it's so worth your time. Yeah, they're one of the top four or five shows that I cite as far as that I've ever seen that are actually like products that are worth. People walk away from that going. I, I'm happy I paid my money. Yeah. And it, you, you, I, at least for me, I walked out of there s somewhat stunned mm. because it's such an incredible experience to be a yeah. part of. Yeah. And you walk out and just sort of spinny and daisy, you know? <laughs> sure. Yeah. No, yeah. they're very good. Yeah. They've been around since 06, I want to say. Something like that. Yeah. They're really great. Um, in your book, do you have a chapter that you resonate with the most? Yeah, uh, there's a chapter on dare to fail. And that's three words that I say. I've been saying it since my first class. I don't know where I got it from. I don't think I made it up, but I could have. I, I just don't remember. But it works for me, so I say it. Um, and it's one of those things that has l way larger consequences if you want it to. But in improv specifically, because you may not know what you're doing, you're doing it for the first time, you're afraid you're going to do it wrong, whatever. And I say, I'll just dare to fail. And I mean, what I'm saying is, I want you to fail. I want you to dare yourself to fail. I want you to get up there and be so excited about failure for a couple of reasons. One, just put it on a timeline. Let's say that you need to do 100 improv scenes before you feel comfortable. Now, I don't know what number is right. It could be way smaller, way big. But whatever that number is, okay, there's a certain number of improv scenes I have to do that'll where I'm not going to feel comfortable, so I might as well fail and just do them and just knock them off. And two, the only thing stopping you is fear that's inside your own head. There's not, there's no, there's nothing else. So if you dare to fail, it's like a, it's like a secret passageway around that. Circumnavigating the ego. Yeah, and just being like, oh, we don't have to get it right. We don't. There's really nothing to fear here. So let's dare to fail. I mean, I, and I do that with everything. I'm writing a resume for myself right now. I've written a resume for myself in years, and I was scared to write it because I'm like, oh, I don't know how to write a resume. And I was like, I'll just write a bad one. Yeah. Just fail. Well, I learn more from fucking up, honestly, sure. than I've ever done by getting it perfect the first time. I think, I think Which anyone who's... Which never happens anyway. <laughs> yeah, like no one gets it right the first time. And <clears throat> everyone who's good at anything, like you're good at so many things but uh you know like you had to go through a period where you weren't good at it mm. i think a lot of people think you know was it mozart or beethoven one of those that was like a childhood prodigy or whatever and i think there's this belief well <clears throat> if i don't just sit down at a piano and knock it out then it wasn't meant to be and it's like i don't know who was a real childhood prodigy or who wasn't but even if they're real they're few and far between yeah you really need those ten thousand hours to yeah to get your practice 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 fail and you do a lot of work with them, um, and I think a lot of the teachers there do uh, a lot of work with uh, corporations and mm -hmm. things like that, so yep. anyone can do it. Yeah, and the corporate improv is less about performance, although that's, that can be an aspect of it, but it's more about like 
showing them that these same skills that help us improvise, you know, for no money can help these salespeople, vice presidents, managers, whatever, customer service people make a lot of money mm. with the same skills. Listening. I'm sorry, what? Exactly. <laughs> Listening is a, a big thing. I, the, the thing that I also... Uh, being able to listen to what a body is saying, not just what a mouth is saying. Mm. Being able to listen to what eyes are saying yeah. or an, an ear twitch or sure. some sort of micro movement is so much of it. And yeah. I do think that that sometimes falls by the wayside for people because we're, we're in our own head all the time. Sure. And this is just in real life. This is not necessarily just improv, but just no, absolutely. in real life, there's so much nonverbal right. communication. Yeah. It's way louder than the stuff actually that's coming out of someone's mouth. Oh, yeah. But w most of us spend our time worrying about what we're going to say <laughs> next. And so, yeah. yeah, that's tough. How do you get people to break out of, because it's such a human thing, how do you yeah. get people to break out of that thing of what I'm going to say next? What I'm going to say next? It's, I'm going to say this thing next. I'm going to say that. Because that's a huge part of absolutely. it. Absolutely. I put them in situations to where when they exhibit that behavior, the thing doesn't work and when they exhibit the being present it does work mm. and i i can reinforce that but like i never have to teach that because i i'll put them in a in an improv game i'll explain the rules and then you can tell who's i mean i can at least after all these years uh who's thinking ahead and th i'll be darned if it's not them it's someone who's watching them going you know I, I feel like if you listen and just respond it probably works better and i was like oh weird what a cool lesson. I'll have to write that down. <laughs> there was a thing that you did with us. I can't remember if Tim did it too, but um, it was the gibberish one mm -hmm. where you sit and instead of being using words, you right. have to, you, you can only speak in gibberish. Yep. And when I, after, I really enjoyed that a lot because it's amazing all the things you can get across. Yeah. Because it's not just about what you're saying. In fact, it's not what you're saying at all. Yeah. It's your tone, it's your body language, and all that stuff. And I, I came out of that class, I thought, man, they should do that in couples counseling. <laughs> right. Could you imagine what would transpire when people stopped listening to the words mm. and started yeah. feeling? The feelings. Yeah. Whoa. It's so it's it's so amazing, and because I've been doing improv so long, I'm sure I probably used to be like this and just have forgotten it. But so many people get stuck on. But they said this, and I was like, Yeah, but what did you feel? And they're like, I don't know what you mean. You know, and I'll, I'll get that a lot, and I'm like, Okay, improv isn't just a, isn't just a, a script that we're making up. It's it's an experience, and you feel your way through experiences just as much as much as you listen or uh, watch or anything else. Like there's like, what is this moment feeling? Mm -hmm. Which is why I think, uh, and and I, I'm I'm this is a compliment to you. Um, I will listen to podcasts sometimes, and the interviewer is clearly not listening, or vice versa, or the piece of person being interviewed is not listening, and it's less of a conversation, more of just like one person talks and they stop, and another person talks and they stop, and they it kind of matches up, but it doesn't really match up, you know. And like one thing I love about your podcast is like you are hundred percent present, and I can't, and I'm saying that as someone who's present here with you, but also listened to several of your episodes and be like, oh, Susan's right there. Thank this you. is this is an experience, and that's why listening to the recording of it is valuable because people are hearing a real very present two people in a moment talking mm, thank you that's a big compliment absolutely thank you it. one of my most uncomfortable moments in class uh was when you had us do the the emotional numbers 
Yeah. Uh, where, okay, you're angry at a one. Mm-hmm. Now you're angry at a two. Mm-hmm. Now you're angry at a three. And yep. right about three, I'm like, oh, I do not like this yeah. so much at all. You know? <laughs> was it just the anger or was it all of them? It was the anger. Yeah, okay. Because I've done so much therapy. Because <laughs> that... you used to have anger issues too? No, not anger issues. Well, I mean, I guess <clears throat> a sister of anger. Okay. Um, the loathing of loathing. myself. Yeah, know, okay. That... Yeah, self-loathing, yeah. Yeah, um, I had a some childhood stuff that was pretty freaking intense Mm. and uh once i got out of the house did a whole lot of therapy and yeah and um so i'm pretty even killed to be honest i mean yeah you're like one of the chillest people i know (laughs) (laughs) yeah pretty like chill and but i mean it took work to get there to unravel the knots that you know childhood loves to tie you in yeah and so that that's that day, I was like, oh, God, I do not like this at all because I'm so used to not really... Having a bunch of emotions. And having them swing. Like, I'm okay. Like, I can, you know, access yeah. anger and sadness and happiness okay. and all that stuff. But to have it swing so rapidly... Yeah, this, go from anger to, to you know, confusion. Or even Mach or, 1 to Mach 5 okay. in the space of a minute. Gotcha. You know? Boy, that was real work for me. Interesting. Yeah. See, as a, because, you know, I feel like all artists, what we really do is we're conduits for emotion, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, your songs, uh, which are lovely, by the way. I've listened to a Thank number you. of them. Um, Thank you. They, you know, I listen to your songs, and they're very pretty, but, like, the main thing that I get from them is, is the emotion that I feel listening to you, right? Mm-hmm. So, you're very good at conveying emotion through music. A lot of musicians that I get um, love that exercise because that's the thing that they can really get behind. So that's that's fascinating that you're like, no, 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 not me, not not this one. Well, when I when I paint or when I write songs, yeah. or uh, you know, and that kind of thing, mm-hmm. I think because I've been doing those things for a little while now, I've been doing music for a really long time, gotcha. painting not as long, mm-hmm. um, but I'm I'm used to to touching whatever that feels like when I do it, but it's still not swinging. Even if I'm writing a song that is very sad or, yeah. or whatever, I'm, to me, it's, it's like I'm writing about characters. You know, a song is just a three minute movie. Yeah. You know, so you're just writing a little screenplay basically. Sure. Um, so you have like a third party, like God's eye view of it. Kind of in like, a way, like the, the emotions are over here and I'm over here. Yeah. Yeah. But yes and no, it's, okay. it's, it's sort of, both. Yeah. It's hard to explain, I guess. But it's but different because in that exercise, you are exercise. you are square in the middle of it. Yeah, that yeah. is like, okay, just be that. So just to tell people what that exercise is, is you start on the wall at zero, and then for the purpose of that game, every emotion has an intensity scale of one to five. So you start out, you know, in anger, or and I go through a ton of different emotions, mm-hmm. but uh, so anger to one, and then you're in your but by five, you're literally trying to be as angry as you can be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's funny because I remember I had a student like three years ago and after the exercise she raised her hand she said you know I don't really ever feel anger and I totally believed her because she was just like oh yeah I could see that yeah. and and that happens sometimes as an actor you know if, if acting is the thing you want to do like Putting those emotions on are kind of like we we're talking about with a song of like I can I'm, I can control them right, mm-hmm. but acting is is uh, probably the most raw form of experiencing that emotion at least for a lot of people so that can be overwhelming I think yeah and also I think too like I am very chill and and I will put up with a whole hell of a lot because nothing is really that yeah you know you can do a lot and I'm just like that's your deal whatever right but then there's this point and then. Look out! And I think that there's, I think, and then I get it all out, and then I'm, and I'm okay again, and I yeah. go back to, you know, I go to DefCon five, and then back to one again, and mm-hmm. it's, but I don't ever 
I don't want to be in Dev. Who wants to be at DevCon 5? So it was really right, yeah. But it's a great skill, and it's one that I need to learn, obviously, sure. to be better at the craft of all this. It helps. But, my God, it was uncomfortable. It was that's, just a that's, funny that's thing. That's funny to know. Yeah. It was fascinating. Anyway, so where? what's your plan with the book? Are you trying to... Yeah, so the book came out uh, end of November, and uh, it's on sale now. I want to do an audio version at some point. I don't have the money to front the audio version yet, so I don't know when that'll be released. Um, I, I got to do some stuff on that. But other than that, I mean, uh, yeah, well, it's just about like finding uh, you know a studio to record it, and then someone to do the editing, and mm. you know make it sound you know like because I've I have listened to some audiobooks with with poor. Uh, editing and poor recording. I'm like, oh, I can't even get the good out of this book because it sounds terrible to my mm-hmm. ears. So, uh, other than that, though, I mean, the book's just, you know, it's out there. Like, uh, a lot of people ask, like, what, what do you do with the book now? And I, I don't know what to do with the book now. I mean, it's done. <laughs> yeah. Like, other than the audio book, it's on Kindle and it's on paperback. <laughs> so, uh, sell them. I'm, I'll sell them. People to get people. it on Amazon and stuff. People can get it on uh, Amazon, both paperback and Kindle. And if you see me, like, if you're taking a workshop from me, uh, I'll probably, I will have them on me. Like, I'm teaching next week in Utah at the Wasatch Improv Festival, and I will have books on me, you know. Mm-hmm. And I travel the country and, and sometimes. So if people want a book and they're and they like, oh, he's coming to my town soon. Like I'll be in uh, Phoenix in April, and then uh, where else are we going? I can't I can't remember all, all, all dates offhand. But we, me and my partner uh, Roland, we we travel a lot doing improv. And you did you write for television too, right? I wrote, I wrote for Epic Rap Battles of History on YouTube. Epic Rap Battles of History. It, you know what? I I've watched a couple. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's been around for a while, and. Um, yeah, it's it's one of my most proudest achievements that I'm like, oh, I'm a writer for that that thing that millions of people have seen. It's That's pretty awesome. awesome. Yeah. yeah. How can people find you in general? So if they want to go see your shows and you do the mm-hmm. yeah, uh, Mission Improbable and all mm-hmm. that stuff, how do they find you? Uh, best ways to find me, my website is richcreativecoaching.com. Uh, and that is mainly about me teaching and coaching, but you can also find links to other things there, uh, like podcasts I've been on and, and uh, some stuff that I've filmed. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Rich Baker Actor uh, or Facebook, the same thing at Rich Baker Actor. Rich, thank you so much. Thank you so much. much. This was so fun. It was super fun. Yeah. Um, thanks for coming over. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Rate and review Hey Human on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you.